0: everybody. Welcome back to Gamer Heroes. I am Derek. I've got my co-host John with me. Hey, what's up? Well, this is episode 28 and we actually have a really cool interview for you today with Z, the CEO and founder of, of Serenity, Serenity Forge, Forge, which is a yeah. really cool game company. We got a great interview uh, about that that we will talk about. Uh, we'll cut over to in just a couple of minutes. He, he was
1: literally the most passionate person I've, uh, one of the most passionate people I've talked to.
0: He was really cool, but you'll get all that in the interview. You need to listen. So you'll have to listen. Talk about inspiration. Uh, I know, right? Uh, but we will cover news a little bit here first. Um, so big news in the Amazon world that people are just super unhappy about.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it's to me, it's it's kind of like, oh, I've been following these rules to begin with, but apparently they're removing some things, they're readjusting, and there's some things that I actually do want to talk about that are kind of a big deal. You want to just dive in there?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for those who don't know, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can get a twenty percent pre-order bonus on physical video games. Which
1: is the only way I buy games now, because that's like I don't know, fifteen bucks. Well,
0: tw- well, it's twelve for a normal sixty dollar title, but you know, you figure at twenty percent every five games, you're basically getting a free game, right? Right. Um, it's only for physical games, so those who buy digital can't get it. And this is similar to the Best Buy Gamers Club. Discount that you get. It's actually the same kind of discount that you can get through Best Buy if you're a gamer club member. Um, And Amazon has announced that they are getting rid of what's called the recent releases discount, which I only found out about recently. um, That the first two weeks of the game is released, they provide that same discount, which I appreciate, but didn't really ever use because I didn't know that that was a thing until, like I said, recently. But they're getting rid of that. So now, it's literally a pre-order bonus. See, I didn't. Or discount. I,
1: I never thought. I never thought to do that, and I didn't know that existed. To be honest with you, because I've always, like you said, respected the word pre-order. Yeah, I <laughs> thought it was just, pre-order.
0: Yeah. Um, now Best Buy has that same thing where you have uh, time after the game is is released to get the same discount. Um, but Amazon's going away with that. And then in Canada, for any of our Canadian friends, um, the discount is dropping from twenty percent to just ten percent off.
1: That just sucks
0: which uh, is a little surprising. Um, Kind of out of the blue. They didn't really warn anybody about it. And then, to top things off, some major, major titles, some major AAA titles like Destiny 2 are not showing that pre-order discount if you go and you pre-order it. Now, maybe it's because those are a little far off and it's going to be applied later, but that does seem kind of interesting now given that they're changing things up.
1: Well, I, I have a problem with it particularly. Um... Call of Duty World War Two is on that list as well. but They're not taking a discount on. So yeah. what that means to me is, uh, whoever the company is that owns that um, has said there's no discounts on our product, which is kind of like market regulation, in my opinion.
0: Well, I mean, it's their product, so they can. Re- I mean, they can set I, their own price.
1: I understand that, but by by saying. I'm not going to do discounts. You're making it okay for other people to say, I'm not doing discounts either. Next thing you know, we're not getting discounts unless Amazon wants to take a cut.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's true, but I think that it might have something more to do with, with the kind of game and that, that atmosphere. I mean, keep in mind that, um, you know, you have to, you have to be a prime member, right? And so that's the real key here is that really the only person that gets an advantage from this is Amazon, from a, from a selling perspective, because you um, you have to be a prime member. Now, here's where I think it's an Amazon thing. I just double checked. So I want I wanted to make sure Destiny Two gets the discount through Best Buy's Gamer Club. Yeah. So this is not a thing where Bungie came out and said we're not allowing the pre order pre order discount. Check
1: um, check Call of Duty.
0: I will. I will. But I mean, my point though is, I think this is a thing because Amazon is controlling this. Amazon gets a cut of everything that's sold. Yeah. Maybe that cut is too high, right? Maybe it's it's more than what Best Buy gets out of the deal. And maybe because Amazon requires you to be a Prime member, these companies feel that um, Amazon's already getting that additional bonus from those kinds of things. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, yeah, Call, Call of Duty World War II also gets the same discount so um, at Best Buy. So this is an Amazon-specific thing. Um, I'm one of those people who goes a little bit overboard, so I, I'm also a Best Buy Gamer Club member, and I'll just pre-order from them. And I think a lot of people will probably do that, and Amazon might see a dip in in those early purchases of games.
1: I think it's a, it's a bad idea, in my personal opinion. F- from this point forward, the reason I was going through Amazon is because not only is it convenient for me, because I have a Prime membership and I get free two-day shipping, everybody loves that, but they ship it out so that it arrives at your house on the release day. And it's so convenient. So you're, what you're doing now is you're taking away half of the reason I go with you. So
0: Yeah, I mean, the discount hasn't been around all that long. And so, I mean, we, we're, we're kind of bitching a little bit about something that was a perk that's relatively new.
1: I know, but you but can't. That's like, I'm going to let you taste this, and then I'm going to take the drink away from you.
0: So Yeah, yeah. That may not have worked out too well for them, but Best Buy is continuing to do it, and Best Buy is struggling financially a lot more than Amazon is. So, um, you know, I guess we'll, that will remain to be seen.
1: All right, what else we got? What's new?
0: Um, well, okay, so people have been wondering in the states anyway when we were going to see our first switch bundles. I know. Uh, the UK's already had a couple. Um, uh, Russia got one actually; they're getting a Mario Odyssey one, and now the United States' first one will be a Splatoon two bundle that comes with new green and pink Joy-Cons, but it's only available through Walmart.
1: Interesting. So Walmart worked out an exclusive deal?
0: It's an exclusive... Not only is it an exclusive bundle, but as of today, those two Joy-Cons, which you can buy separately, are also only available through Walmart.
1: No way.
0: hmm Which opens up kind of this can of worms of retailer exclusives, which... I always hate when that's a digital retailer exclusive for a game. Now we're talking about
1: market control again.
0: But now we're talking about, like, actual physical components. And, you know, as somebody who's had, you know, an N64, for example, or an original Xbox where you had four controllers, having them be different colors is very, very helpful for determining who's player one and who's player three and all that kind of stuff. With the with the Switch, it's the same situation. I want to have four different Joy-Cons that are four different colors and I'll have to choose what those colors are, of course. And I've got my blue and red from the neon set uh, from launch day. But now I've got to find two other colors. If I wanted those two, I've got to get them through Walmart now.
1: See, that's market. They're they're controlling the market again. We were just we just got into <laughs> a large conversation about, um, like you said, retailers getting exclusives. Yeah, we've talked about retailer
0: exclusives before,
1: and it, it is frustrating. And this is exactly that. It except is with physical products. Yeah. So. So is it going to be a delayed release? So GameStop will get it later on. Best Buy will get it later on. Or
0: if that's the case, it has not been stated. Now, to be fair, certain titles like, for example, the Crash Bandicoot Remastered trilogy um, was a timed exclusive.
1: That's what I meant. To and say. they just
0: they just kept that quiet. If you do some digging, you'll find out that Xbox will be getting it. I think I think in the spring next year, yeah. if I remember right. Um, so this may be a similar situation, but nobody is saying it. So.
1: Right I don't now, like it. I don't like it. Right now it looks like a Walmart thing, uh, which, which is a little weird. I don't know. I don't like it because this encourages competition to do the same. And now all of a sudden I am a, a consumer who is being, you know, braided to go into one place cause I want something or I don't get that at all. And that to me is, it should be open. Um, Usually, if you give me a discount, I'll go You go your way. Well, sure, but, yeah. But this time, you're saying, well, we have this. and But I don't like going over there. I don't support Walmart. I'm not saying I don't, but...
0: Just as an example.
1: Exactly. Yeah, no,
0: I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be one of those things where you're going to have to decide. Are you willing to go to that store and, and support that, that type of system because you want that thing? Or are you going to kind of you know stand up and not do that? Uh, you know, it, It's a personal preference thing, and I think that... And we're talking about the color of joy con controllers which is obviously a very small issue if that's if that's your biggest concern you know that's a hashtag first world problem <laughs> you know, I gotta say like that's really what it is but it, it's it's an annoyance I will I will say that's that.
1: that's mainly what I'm getting at yes yeah. you know you're telling me I have to go to Walmart only to get these and that's that, that I have a problem with that because it starts with controllers and then it then the next thing you know we're doing well, they already are doing that. You're getting exclusive bundles. So next thing you know, we're getting well, exclusive consoles. Exclusive
0: bundles have been things for a long time and, and, and stuff like that. There's always been special versions of consoles with certain skins and stuff. Right. This is That's not new. Um, it's more of just the accessories being an exclusive or something like the Switch where it's very difficult to get your hands on it anyway. That's a little surprising. Yeah. So... Um, I guess the last news item we have is that, uh, all of the rumors point to the Xbox One X going up for pre-order this weekend. On Sunday is the, is the big rumor. So Sunday, August, uh, 20th is when the big rumor is the, the it Xbox got One. X. Are you telling me it finally got The FCC, got <laughs> yeah, the FCC approved it, I guess. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big Xbox event this weekend and that's kind of what people are thinking. Um, you know, it's, it's the $500 console. I'm not pre-ordering it. I'm not either. So if you are pre-ordering it, you're out there and you are waiting for that shoe to drop, uh, let us know. Hit us up uh, at Heroes Podcasts on all the social medias or contact at HeroesPodcasts.com. I do want to talk to you about this. I really want to know who is buying the Xbox One X and why. I really yeah. am curious. I, I promise you that. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to be it then for news. And we will cut over... To our interview with Z from Serenity Forge. So let's do that.
1: Alrighty. Enjoy.
0: Okay, so we are here with Z of Serenity Forge. Uh, I'm, of course, Derek, and I've got John with me.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back.
0: And uh, Z, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of an introduction? You are, of course, the president and CEO of Serenity Forge, but I feel like there's probably more to you than that.
2: Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, my name is Z. am the founder um, and also executive producer. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, basically, what that means is it's just a really fancy word for saying I do a lot of things that no one else really wants to do around here. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I started Serenity Forge a few years back. We are a game development company, and uh, yeah, I pretty much uh, handle a lot of the management um, and decision-making uh, here at the team.
0: That's awesome. So uh, you say a couple of years. When did you guys get started? Do you kind of have a uh, a date where this kind of came to fruition?
2: Yeah, that's always a really hard question for me to be totally honest with you, Um, because uh, so I actually started the team back when I was in high school. So you know many years ago at this point. Um, However, you know that obviously wasn't full time, and then we all eventually went to college um, in different states around the nation. So we kind of had to do this part time, almost as a hobby for the longest time. Um, but then, you know, I graduated uh, college back in 2014, so I've been running it full time since then. So I guess, you know, three, maybe four years, if you kind of count some of the time that we spent before then. Uh, that's how long we've been around. Nice, very cool.
1: That's uh, I, I can only imagine how much painstaking hours went into it that you are. Um... I don't know, maybe reaping the benefits from now or not, (laughs) or trying to reap the benefits from. Um, How was that going through high school and and trying to develop a company?
2: Uh, To be honest, it was really fun and it really gave everything a purpose because, you know, when you're going through school, high school, college, you're just kind of experimenting, you know, trying to see what you really want to do in life. Um, By having a company, having a team that's always there working with you on different types of projects, I feel like it really gave a sense of purpose to what I do every day. You know, when I'm in class, learning about some kind of finance topic, I would think about how that would transfer into the video game industry and how potentially we could raise funding somewhere down the road as opposed to just, you know, memorizing equations, trying to get an A on the test.
0: That's actually a really good point because that's that's where I struggle is. I, I, there's all these projects I want to do, but I don't know how to get the money to do them.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> so maybe paying attention a little bit in the financing course might. Help. <laughs> I never I never
0: took a financing class, unfortunately. <laughs> I took economics, uh, but not finance. So, um. Well, so so Z, I I got I looked at your bio on the Serenity Forge website, and it says that loving life was actually based on a near death experience that you had.
2: Uh, yeah, so I can definitely go into that a little bit here. So, um, I guess that's kind of the, one of the main reasons why I started the company. Um, when I was 18 years old, I was diagnosed with a severe and chronic illness that actually caused me to be hospitalized for two years. Wow. Um, right here in Denver, actually. So, um, that was a really tough time for me. Uh, throughout high school, um, I didn't really know many people. I didn't really have any friends. uh you, you know like I, I was I was this fat Asian nerd who <laughs> didn't really have any friends and played video games all day. What do you really expect so so when I was in the hospital for those two years, I was really um a very unique uh version of lonely I think that's uh, that's how I would say it um I didn't really have anything to look forward to either mm-hmm. yeah I was told because of my illness, the condition um I wasn't really told that I would recover from it ever. So I kind of lived in a way where I just assumed that there's really not much of a tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so with that, I kind of turned to video games, the only thing that I really knew at the time. So I started playing all sorts of games, games like, you know, single player games like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, and you know, all these games where I can go out there and go save the world and just feel really strong. I feel really powerful and feel like I'm doing something. Um, and, and I would also play games like uh, League of Legends or you know Minecraft and all that uh, online type uh, multiplayer games. And uh, I would start making all these different friends uh, around the world uh, where I didn't really have before. So so in a way, you know, going through that experience, it really taught me that um, video games are super powerful, and there's so much more that could be done with games. Uh, all these games that I was playing, they weren't really designed to try to you know help me anyway. But in the end they did. So what if I start making games with the intention to help other people? And that's kind of why, you know, once I recovered, I decided to really go full force on Serenity Forge and decide to go make games for good. That's a
0: pretty cool story,
2: actually.
1: That's probably the most purposeful it gets. Like that's that's awesome that you were able to overcome that and, and games was an outlet to that.
0: So what what led you to choosing a visual novel as kind of the the game genre for this one?
2: Um, I think the easiest way to do it, uh, it was just the easiest way to do it. It was the um, simplest um, way to get into game dev. I mean, a lot of people, when they start making games, they have grand ambitions of making the big MMORPG and all that stuff. I mean, by that point, I already started working on all sorts of different types of games, but I never finished anything. So I just really wanted to do something small, something that I can finish. Um, and I thought, why not go back and make a game about my experience
1: mm-hmm. and
2: see if that could at least generate a story that perhaps could change some other people's lives. Um, so I decided to pick, to pick up a C++ textbook, and I just read it. Um, and uh, I started self-teaching, uh, you know, all, the, all sorts of programming stuff. Uh, luckily, I had some experience in Java at the time, so I kind of transferred pretty well. On top of that, knowing that I always wanted to be a game developer, I've always been doing digital art. I've always done writing and music and all that stuff. So all of that kind of came already naturally uh, in some way due to years of practice. And uh, yeah, I mean, I decided to just toss everything together. Uh, and, you know, like, it was it was actually really re- rewarding. And for any game developers out there listening, I think it's a great idea to start something small like that. Um, what I did is, after I released it, uh, online for free for anyone to just download. About a month after it came out, um, I received an email from someone from Spain. Like this, this person, like he could barely speak English. Like you know, like his email was all like broken Google Translate <laughs> kind of thing. Sure. And uh, I was reading it, and uh, basically what happened is that he wanted to thank me for making the game. Um, apparently, he had been contemplating suicide, and he's been for the past couple weeks. He's been like kind of planning for for what he should do. And uh, he came across the game online and decided to play it. And he uh, liked it so much that not only did he stop, uh, you know, any kind of suicidal thoughts, he wanted to become a game developer. And he just enrolled in their local game design school. And now he wanted to email me and thank me for kind of putting him on that path.
0: Wow. And that was like
2: my freshman year in college. You know, like I was still some kid who just put up a game online. And uh, after seeing that, I knew that I was probably on the is something
0: i mean that's pretty amazing it shows you just how powerful games can be for people um because you know that's not not the first story that i've heard about something like that i'm sure it won't be the last but they're very important that people really are able to uh to better themselves and see a more positive outlook in the world with with gaming that's pretty fantastic um yeah totally so why don't you tell us a bit then about Serenity Forge as a company? Um, I know you guys uh, looks like you're a, you know a nine ten person team or so. Um, how how do you guys kind of see the day to day?
2: Yeah, so we're 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 a team of nine here uh, in Boulder, and uh, I guess the day to day is, is going to be different. You know how uh, you know how people always say that you know oh I get to do something different every day. It's always an adventure or something like that. Um, that's not, it, it sounds cool, but it's really not how it feels. It, it's pretty, that's pretty accurate to what I do every single day. But the truth is, you know, I, you know, one day I would come in and I'll do some programming. The next day I might be doing some art and the day after I might be on a plane flying to you know Seattle to give a speech or, you know, it, it's, it's very different. you never really know what to expect. Um, that is both a blessing and a curse because you, there's no given moment where you can just sit there and know that you're doing some productive work because someone told you to. No one's out there telling you to do anything. Um, so that's kind of the, the tough thing. And that's kind of the company culture that spans across our entire team. Everyone is a leader in their own right. And every single person, instead of being given a task, they are given a goal. You know, The goal is to create a game that generates emotions and, and make people uh, understand maybe like the political climate, or maybe educate them on rocket science. And uh, the people on our team are tasked to think in their own right and, uh, and, and come up with an idea that would work, uh, that, that they believe would work using their, their own artistic abilities uh, in game design. So that's kind of how everyone functions around here.
0: So when you guys are working on like a new game, is it a full team effort, or do you guys kind of split up into smaller groups?
2: Um, we definitely have different groups for different things. Uh, everyone on the team, we, we have, like, how many now? Like, 10, 15 projects going on at the same time right now. So it's actually pretty crazy if you think about it. It's like every one person is working on two projects at a time. Um, but the truth is, it's like every our entire team is usually working on every single project. And it just comes down to balancing. You know, d- depending on deadlines, depending on release dates, or what we think it, uh, needs to be prioritized. Um, everyone is always working on something together, and everyone might even be working in a different capacity. Like some person might be an art director on one project, a designer on another, or maybe like a technical artist on on a third project. So you're always switching your mindset and uh, wearing.
1: That's that's quite amazing. So would you say most of your team is pretty diverse? Because, I mean, you have to be an artist. You have to be a programmer. Uh, uh, carry, carry various titles, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Is that kind of what you're looking for in your team?
2: Yeah, totally. And I think that's going to be a requirement mm-hmm. for a small team like ours uh, and possibly a requirement for large teams in the future as well. Um, kind of like what Seth Godin said in his book, Lynchpin. Um In the future, everyone in the world will have to be an artist. No one can really be a cog in a machine anymore because the cogs will be replaced by computers. (laughs) You know, like the accountants of today probably will be replaced by software tomorrow. (laughs) So it's important for everyone to have a leadership mindset to be able to make decisions for themselves because that's the only thing that humans can do better than computers at this point at least. That's
1: good. That's wise. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I uh, Yeah, I get that. Um well so I, I noticed that so you guys have some of of course your your own games. You've got, you know, four of your own titles that you've you've developed and published on your own. And then you also do other publishing as well. So how do you guys make that decision the balance between developing something as you know a Serenity Forge original and then you know collaborating or publishing somebody else's work?
2: Um so, so I think that really comes down to just our our undying curse of our passion for some of these games um there's a lot of good games out there and i think there's even more really really good games that never really get made and the way we see it is we have really good ideas we want to make them where and when we are however there's a lot of really good ideas that we want to see but um it's being made by people who might not have that kind of capacity to turn it into a reality um, if they're not given some more resources. Okay. And that's kind of the way that we approach our publishing. Nice. We want, uh, yeah, we, we not only want to see our dreams come true, we want to see other people's dreams come true as well, um, especially if it's our dream <laughs> in, in, in certain ways too. Some of the games that we published in the past, like Foresight of Fantasy and Lifeless Planet, um, you know, these games are just really beautiful narrative and, you know, like mind breaking adventures um, that people, uh, that, that, probably would never happen uh if we don't you know step in and help out um some of the new games that we're working on um like uh like uh what's upon a coma for example beautiful game we're co-developing and publishing something like that just because we have a development uh background and you know without our help maybe a game like that would never happen so so i we really see it as our duty to kind of help out these developers um who have this grand dream and really need our help on it
0: That's pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a really amazing outlook that you guys are really just trying to expand on and maybe better the, the gaming community a bit. Do you, do you find that that's something people are very receptive to? Or is kind of the, you know, the old school battle of capitalism kind of pushing you, uh, pushing you around a bit?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the capitalism is always going to be pushing people around. Um, the thing is, I think, I predict, I, I don't know if this is true, but I predict that video games will change drastically in the next couple of decades. So the, 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 way I say, the, the reason why I say that is because I believe that video games are still in its infancy, even after all these years of people making games and releasing games, and the game market being like 30 times the size of the film industry. Um, I think it's important to keep thinking forward and think about how video games can continue to expand. Um, I actually just had a conversation during lunch today um, with some game distributors about uh, the same kind of topics, about how every single game nowadays, especially AAA, they all kind of look the same. Like, ever since Resident Evil 4 came out, I feel like every single game just kind <laughs> hey, of Hey, that's still the one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's,
2: a, it's an amazing game, right? It was really unique for its time. Right. But, but now, if you look at it, every game is kind of like a Resident Evil 4. It's just a different setting. Whether if it's you know Watch Dogs or or if it's like uh, Uncharted or every single game is just a third person adventure game where you go around and shoot at people for most of your gameplay and do things. Um, so I feel like the innovation is starting to go away. Yeah. Um, when when video games are still in its infancy, and I'm, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not super comfortable with that. I feel like games could be used in all sorts of different capacities. Uh, for education, for health, for business even, in some ways, for scientific research. Um, there are just so many ways that you could use video games in our daily lives. And, you know, that's kind of our way of approaching it. Um, at the very least, artistic expression.
1: Oh, yeah. I was just about to say that. I'm like, you guys have a definite style, and it's it's very artistic. It's very colorful. It's very bright. Um, I'm actually, uh, my day job, I'm, I'm uh, we do corporate training, and gamification making everything into a game is so important right now and like our companies are thriving for it so i think that's a very good point is games have now like you said turned into an educational tool whereas they used to be entertainment purposes and they still are but absolutely it transcending that breaking
2: the mold you know right yeah i mean like anyone can have fun, right? Like, just because you're working doesn't mean that you can't have fun. And gamification, essentially, is the it's a tool that you use to have people have fun while they're working. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like, if you think about the American dream back in the 1950s or something, the dream is that you find a stable job, you know, you work, put your head down, just work 9 to 5 every day, go home to your, you know, your blonde wife and your white picket-of-fence house yeah. and your golden retriever dog <laughs> and your two kids... Um, like that's the, that was the American dream I believe that the American dream is completely different now I don't think anyone in our like kind of generation really wants that and people who, really, people who have it just find it really dull and want to go start their own things, I mean for people like you like you're starting a podcast, that's completely new and something that you're passionate for, right um, I, I think everyone in the world is kind of, or at least in America, is looking for something like that, however The, 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 our, our society is not designed to facilitate for people to compete on the fact that everyone, uh, uh, you know, has that type of extrinsic value. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that, you know, our, our society competes by how rich you are, you know, how, how beautiful your house is, you know, how, how great your family looks, um, you know, all all these different things. Like there's only, there's only going to be one person who's the richest man in the world and everyone is trying to be that person in some regard, right? Uh, the society is not designed to be able to let everyone feel that type of happiness. That's where I believe video games come in. Video games give you a sense of intrinsic value. It's the reason why um, people, you know, like instead of going out there and spending all of your effort to make money to try to win in this race, in the war, you know, in the American dream, you go home and you play games and you feel an inherent sense of satisfaction. A lot of people say that that means you're addicted to the game and it's bad for you, but the truth is, video games are serving a purpose that nowhere else, no nothing else in society could. It's almost a fixing a fallacy of how society is like, uh, and those are the types of intrinsic values. It's kind of like um, you know, if you start doing, uh, if you start drawing, and you become an artist, right? You're maybe you won't be Da Vinci one day, but that's not why you draw. You're not drawing in order to become Da Vinci. You're drawing for your own sake you feel like you're getting better than you were before Mm -hmm. and you feel good because of it and that's kind of how video games come in too and uh i don't know i i just really really feel strongly about the value of video games that are often uh overlooked by society because of
0: it no i'm completely with you there i mean part of why i play games is because they they are a bit of allowing me to do things i can't do in the normal world you know, allowing me to stretch my wings sometimes literally, um, <laughs> you know, and not everybody is able to have a, a super cool job or an exciting, you know, real life. And this gives people an opportunity to experience those kinds of things.
2: Yeah. A couple, I mean, I remember uh, back in the 1980s or like late 1980s, there was an investment banker who you know used to make like millions of dollars per month. He, uh, he was introduced to the Apple II computer at the time. And uh, after the two computers come with Breakout, which is, you know, like a pretty simple game. And when he tried that game, he was so addicted to that game, he decided to quit his job, which, you know, it's a multi-million dollar kind of salary job, uh, in order to play Breakout full-time. <laughs> so all he did was he stayed home. His wife hated it. Um, he just stayed home and played Breakout uh, every day because he wants to gr- get the best score that's possible in the game. Two months later, he did. He, he, he got a perfect score on breakout, and as soon as he finished getting that perfect score, he said that that was the most, uh, that was the best accomplishment, the biggest accomplishment that he's ever uh, ever done in his life, and he has never felt better about himself. Um, that's, that, that's, you know, someone who makes <laughs> millions of dollars every month, yeah. and that, you know, playing a game was the thing that uh, he enjoyed the most.
0: I think that's that's a great story, man. You know, it's the the kind of the age old saying of you can't buy happiness kind of concept. And I think that I think you're right. I think our generations are a little more attuned to that, where we want to do things rather than acquire the wealth. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. You talk about you know wanting to expand what video games are and they're in their infancy and things like that. Um, you guys do some pretty cool stuff when it comes to game physics, especially with Luna's Wandering Stars and Pixel Galaxy. How do you feel about things like aug- augmented reality or virtual reality and the way you kind of you guys use the, the game physics now k- translating to that kind of stuff?
2: Um. So, so I guess I'll comment on VR and AR separately. Um. I'm, I'll start with VR because it's a little bit more close to home. Uh. I'm not. I'm actually a pretty anti VR person, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that I work a lot, a lot in VR. The reason behind it is because I feel like VR is still just too early. I agree. The market, <laughs> I've been saying yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, the problem with VR is is actually more so the business side of things than the tech, tech side of things. Um, every company is trying to be the be-all, end-all for VR right now. You have the Oculus, you yeah. have the PSVR that recently came out. Microsoft just announced their mixed reality, which is you know mostly VR. Um, and then you have, you know, the Vive, and then all the way you have, you know, the, the Gear VR or the Google Cardboard even. Um, just every, if you look at it from $0 to $1,000, you're going to see a product every $200, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's somewhere in that price range. The problem with that is that for a software developer, for like someone who's making a game or an educational tool or anything, you're going to have to decide which segment of that 0 to to $1,000 you want to mm-hmm. target. Do you want to aim for only the Vive users and have a really, really extensive uh, experience that could only be used by Vive users? Um, if that's the case, you can only sell it to 10% of the people that use VR, which is already a really small number. Um, or do you want it to be very wide-spanning so that people who are using the Google Cardboard can even use it? But then it's like someone with an $800 VR headset will look at it and be like, I don't want this. Like, I didn't pay $800 for some kind of phone you know, game on my, on my face. Um, so, so it becomes really segmented, and you know, before any of these companies fight it out, um, there's no way that software developers are able to even make a strong profit or a, a true uh, audience uh, uh, that that would be long lasting.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's it's part of the problems that we've had with console wars too, where developers have to kind of decide where to draw that line. I mean, now with the the Xbox One X, for example, you know, do you put your game out at sixty frames per second and ignore all the regular Xbox and PS4 users? You can't just do that. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And on the topic of AR, I'm actually a huge buy-in for AR. It's just a little confusing what AR really is right now and how. And and it's it's way way like a VR was early. AR doesn't even exist. <laughs> like that's how early it is. So so I think you know. 10, 20 years down the road, AR is going to be pro- probably a much bigger topic. I think we don't have the technology just yet. Um, I think there are some clever uses of some very rudimentary pieces of technology that people use um, that are pretty cute, like like a real good step towards the right direction. But until we can really get there, um, I, I, we're just going to have to wait for the technology to catch up.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I still want one of those Google glasses. I will say that.
1: Yeah. hold your breath' <laughs> I
2: mean, they're, they're, cool. they're really they're really awesome and i, I love those things um it's, same i mean if you look at like the um what was it, the oh wow the what's the uh, Microsoft oh, totally yeah. there you go uh um, it's really cool the tracking is really good the latency is very low um but the screen is tiny you can't really see much um it's really clunky it doesn't really you can't really do anything with it. Um, same with, like, the Magic Leap. Um, it's really behind uh, in terms of expectations versus reality. Um, I, again, I, I just think it needs uh, a few more years.
1: I totally agree. I, we, we actually had a couple podcasts on uh, virtual reality. Is it worth it? Is, it? is it... Where is it going? What are you thinking? Kind of just... You summed it up really well. It's just so market... It's so market-based right now, and it's just not feasible yet, and it's not there. It's just not there. So...
2: Right. I mean, if if the product has no purpose, then the entire market relies on the initial wow factor. Yeah. Um. Every single person that puts on a VR headset for the first time will say wow. Be like, wow, this is really cool, right? And then they won't ever use it again because there's no. It's, need it's to the use Wii it again. It's, it's really the cool. Wii. You know how we used to right. stand
1: up and play uh, golf and. and hey, I'll, uh, de- I'll defend the Wii. <laughs> now we sit down and do it.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll defend Wii sports. Um. So, okay. So let's, let's get back a bit to, to Serenity Forge. So, um, you know, you guys have four original titles, you know, the Bird, Luna's Wandering Stars, Pixel Galaxy, and Loving Life. Unfortunately, I've only played half of those so far, but I'm going to check out the other ones cause I'm kind of hooked now. Um, which one, which one of your games do you think best kind of introduces people to who you guys are?
2: Um, it's kind of hard to say. I think Loving Life probably is the one that I would say is the easiest to, to, to look at it and, and understand why we did it. Um, the other piece is Luna's Wandering Stars we created because we wanted to teach rocket science without people realizing it. Um, so basically it tricks kids <laughs> into learning astrophysics while playing an Angry Birds kind of game. Um, I think it did its job. Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, it's, it's a puzzle game with good intentions as, as far as it goes. Pixel Galaxy is kind of another, uh, it's more of an experimental project. That game was actually made only in eight months. Wow, ago. really? I prototyped the entire game. Yeah, I prototyped the entire game in a week. Wow. And then we spent eight more months to, to just like polishing it and making it look better. Um, and that's more of a, you know, like our step into, hey, let's try to make something multiplayer uh, maybe take, take another twist on how a bullet hell game could work instead of, you know, just being violent and crazy. Uh, let's, let's try doing something that's more pacifist, uh, something where you don't actually fight, but instead you're, like, turning the enemy into your friends and, you know, try to live together kind of a mentality. You know, it's just like every, every one of these games is, is kind of like a step towards that. I think The King's Bird is probably the most modern uh, take for, for something like that uh, that we are currently working on. Um, the Kingsbird is our way of creating a precision platformer that seems really, really difficult and plays pretty difficult too, but is completely accessible for someone who doesn't you know otherwise wouldn't actually try out a precision platformer. It's kinda like if you take a game like Super Meat right. Boy, right? A lot of people would look at that game and be like, Oh, I could never get into it. It's a hard game. Um, but there's a there's a certain amount of fun to get into a hard game like that. And when you beat a certain level, you feel really good about yourself. We wanna we wanna take that feeling, we wanna take that sense of empowerment, and design a game around it. So the King's Bird is a game where it really makes the player feel empowered by different types of mechanics, uh, a story, uh, and just the, the the way that we design the game, where you know it feels like you're doing some crazy stuff, and you feel like just you're just so good at this game. Nice,
0: very cool. Um... Do you have anything that you guys are currently working on that you are, you know, at a point where you can discuss any of it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we uh, we will be going out to PAX to show off. where uh, Once Upon a Coma, The King's Bird and Mystic Melee uh, in our booth. And we just uh, announced our new trailer for Where the Water Tastes Like Wine uh, yesterday morning, I believe. Um, so, you know, a lot of these, uh, some of these games that we're working on right now, Um Really, we're hoping to create a, a large sense of uh, how do you say a societal impact, um, especially in you know some of our political climate and uh, some of our uh, you know educational system issues and all that, uh, and you know hopefully some of our games could nudge it in the right direction. Fantastic!
0: And all of these games either are or will be available on Steam. Is
2: that correct? Yeah, all of them will be available on Steam. Uh, most of them will be on consoles, like the PS4, Xbox One. And uh, we're hard at work for the Nintendo Switch as well, although I can't uh, say much about which games <laughs> specifically. And uh, and yeah, so uh, be on the lookout uh, every platform. Fantastic. Goes. I'm
0: a bit of a Switch fanboy, so I'll keep my eye out for that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, we're, we're kind of close here on time. Is there anything else that you would like to tell people about Serenity Forge or, or yourself, see?
2: Yeah, I mean I guess to, 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 to close it out, um I would just urge gamers and game developers to think about games in a different type of light. Um, there's so much different things that we could do with video games. Um as a gamer, you know, start looking at the games that maybe would change the world in some way or expand your horizons. You know, instead of playing another round of Call of Duty, maybe pick up a game that might teach you a little bit about ancient Rome, right? And all of a sudden you just learned a little little bit about the, the cultural aspects of history that you wouldn't get otherwise. Um, there's a lot of value in games. Video games are all inherently educational. It just, it just really depends on how, uh, you know, what you're teaching your players. Uh, you know, for a game developer, uh, you could teach your players to knock over bricks or birds on your phone, or you could teach players uh, astrophysics through the same kind of mechanics. So, you know, in, in all, I think uh, it's important for everyone to just kind of look at video games in a different type of light, and perhaps... You know, uh, crave something uh, that that has higher uh, higher ideals within. Awesome.
0: Well, I will say I, I've been playing Luna's Wandering Stars, and I think that's just a skill that was not meant for me. <laughs> 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 that is a tough game. It's really cool. Um, so if you haven't played it, you got you should check it out, John. It's it's a tough one, though. It's tough.
1: I will I'll try um, that one out.
0: Well, Z, I, I really want to thank you for, for joining us. Um, Serenity Forge has some really cool stuff. So uh, serenityforge.com is the, the website. Um, if people wanted to, to find you guys out on the social medias or check out your games, where can they find you guys?
2: Yeah, so Facebook is just fe- facebook.com slash serenityforge. Twitter also just at serenityforge. Um I believe those are the two main social media channels that we, uh, we we are pretty active on. We have a Discord server as well. So, you know, anyone is always free to pop in and just come in and chat with our team on the Discord server. We're pretty <laughs> active there. And then, lastly, uh, to, to reach me personally, uh, you can always find me on Twitter. Uh, just my full name, so at Jinghua Yang, which is Z H E N G H U A Y A N G. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, easy to just you know shoot me a message and chat with me anytime. Fantastic. All right, well,
0: thank you, Z. Uh, we appreciate it and best of luck at Pax.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. really appreciate you guys doing this. Absolutely no problem.
0: All right, so that was Z from Serenity Forge. Just a really awesome guy for a really great video game company.
1: Just passion uh, all the way around. That like, was fun. I, I like. I am seriously really motivated to pick up a C plus C++, like he said or, and just <laughs> see what I can do. It's uh, those
0: are a tough read. I'll tell. I'll tell you uh, that. T- yeah. Yeah, I, t- I took C um, oh, in college. That's. Uh, It's a tough read. He made it sound so easy. Well, you know, it's not for everybody. He obviously has you know a particular passion and skill set, and we need those people. He's the Liam Neeson of games.
1: That's... Sorry. He's the Liam Neeson of
0: games. Um, But anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy that. Uh, Don't forget to check them out, SerenityForge.com. They've got lots of cool stuff out there. And don't forget to check us out at HeroesPodcast.com and at HeroesPodcast on all the social medias. All of them. Hit us up on iTunes. Drop us a review. Remember, we've got a contest going. We're giving away a free video game. The winner will be picked randomly when we get our first ten reviews on iTunes. And you will help us decide what your game is, what platform it's for, what title it is, what format it's in. We want this to be something you want to play. Because we want the reviews because this is how people will find us. It's simple.
1: You want a free game. All you gotta do, you leave reviews on Yelp every day. Just leave a review for us. That's all we want,
0: right? Maybe, maybe it'll be uh, you know Splatoon two or Destiny two or the Crash Bandicoot trilogy. Won't be
1: through Amazon because maybe. they're not
0: giving us anything. <laughs> <No. help. laughs> maybe it'll be one of the wonderful titles from Serenity yeah. Forge. You know, it could be an indie title. It could be AAA. It could be something in the middle. Whatever you want that to be, as long as it's actually for sale. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, that's going to be it for us. Don't forget to uh, check out all of our other shows at the Heroes Podcast Network. We will catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again next time.